Welcome to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Today is Friday, November 1st, our first episode of this new month. Uh, this year is flying us by, and we're flying by here. We're on episode 11 of season 3, and uh, we're excited to have you with us on this week's show. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor for Lake of Coney News, and I'm joined by Trevor Bowden, who is back after a one-week hiatus. He is our Gatewood sports reporter. And he's got a lot of interesting things to report <laughs> this week, for sure. So, uh, Trevor, I guess we, uh, we're we down to one sport right now. It's kind of a dead period with volleyball and softball officially finishing up right. around the area. So, let's talk about football. And I guess I'll be the one to get us started. All right. This will be fairly quick. Uh, Morgan County was off last week. They've got a 6-2 and two record. And they travel tonight up to East Jackson, which is 3-5 and five and is on a five-game losing streak. So the Dogs are coming off of a loss two weeks ago up at Jefferson, looking for a victory to get back on the board and uh, keep pace in the region standings. And tonight looks like a pretty good opportunity to do so. Green County's football team traveled down to Augusta last Friday and lost to Aquinas 41-0. to uh, Very, very tough loss there for the Tigers. They dropped them down to one and seven on the season. Defensively, uh, it was more of the same for them. They gave up 329 yards rushing on 33 carries, six touchdowns. Uh, they had a couple of fumble recoveries, so that was nice. But uh, you give up 330 on the ground. That's going to be a long night. And offensively, they had nothing going, as you can tell by that goose egg on the scoreboard. They had 90 total yards. Every single one of them was on the ground. So wow. it was quite a performance for Aquinas overall. It's it's one of the best teams of this region. It really isn't fair that Aquinas is in this region because <laughs> they're they're one of those private school powerhouses. They're always really really strong, and that was proven once again last week. Uh, Aquinas is uh, probably going to win this region. I think they had a slip up loss two weeks ago against Hancock Central, but outside of that, they're really looking good. Tonight, the Tigers are playing the Tigers. They are on the road against Washington Wilkes, which is 4-4. Four four. Uh, judging by Max Preps, Washington most recently played way back on October 18th, so it looks like they've had a bye week or two. And that game was a 40-14 victory down at Georgia Military College Preps. So uh, they've had a couple of weeks off here. Green County's looking to go on the road, pull off an upset, maybe finish out this season with a couple of victories. Uh, they're going to miss the playoffs, but they got a lot to play for. They could play spoiler here these next couple of games, and uh, that'll start up tonight over in Washington. All right, Trevor, both of our Eatonton-based high school teams got a couple of wins last week. One of them had some extracurriculars. <laughs> I guess you'll talk about that second probably. But, uh, uh, what was what was it like last Friday for the Putnam County War Eagles and the Gatewood Gators as they won a couple of uh, crucial games. Right. So Putnam, uh, they got to travel to Banks County and play in wet, nasty conditions, but came away with their third straight victory with a 24-13 win. Um, really played well in all three phases, honestly. The the offense started real early. First play of the game, uh, sophomore quarterback Cedrion Brundage, who's really kind of come into his own this season now, uh, being solidified as the starting quarterback, found senior wide receiver Rodney Daniel on a 67-yard post route. Um, which was their first of two touchdown hookups on the night. So there, there definitely seems to be a connection brewing there, and there, there clearly was last Friday night. Um, 
Marcus Jefferson had a touchdown rush. Jose Hernandez hit a 23-yard field goal. And then following that, the special teams unit stayed hot and blocked a, a, a Banks PAT. Um, so there's two phases there. And then the defense just, while they didn't get anything in the end zone, the defense played huge all night. Arguably the biggest defensive play of the night came from Jamarcus Robertson's interception in the end zone. Uh, Banks County was really threatening. They were on, on the five-yard line, uh, but his interception ended the first half. So um, that, was a, that was a huge play for the Eagles. And then Brundage to Daniels sealed it with a 32-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Um, the win moved Putnam to 4-4 four and four overall and 3-2 and two in region. An identical record to their opponent this week, weekend, which is Elbert County, who they host uh, Friday night, with winner taking sole possession of third place in region. So, huge matchup coming up for Putnam. Um, really hoping to shake things up in the region standings. Gatewood, on the other hand, had a little more convincing win uh, with a 62 to nothing homecoming win over Memorial Day. And even still, there was some drama. <laughs> There was a little drama. Um, the win moved Gatewood to 7-2 overall. First shutout victory of the year. Um, it was it was a dominating performance from the Gators. Memorial didn't get anything going. It was 55 to nothing Gators at halftime. Uh, Gatewood scored nine touchdowns on 23 plays on offense. Um, they had just over 400 yards. Memorial Day finished with just under 100. Um, Seven possessions, nine touchdowns. Those came six rushing, one passing, one fumble on the defense or that the defense recovered, and one punt block, which resulted in five different players uh, adding points to the board. So, huge game from the Gators. Weston Wallace stepped up with his second block punt of the year. And earlier in the season, we kept talking about Connor Olson's interception. Yep. He seems to have kind of passed the torch to Bryce Johnson. He recorded another interception uh, last week, including a 60-yard return, but was tackled at the five. So almost got another pick six. And that's, that's two weeks in a row with two, an interception. Two weeks in a row for Bryce now. So a couple of hot streaks from the Gators' DBs this season. Um, we Yes, there, there was some drama right before <laughs> uh, Kate Embry was – announced as the homecoming queen, one of the Memorial Day coaches decided that he was being, his team was being treated unfairly, I guess, and had an altercation with a, an official that led to not only being ejected, but his eventual arrest and spent most of the night at the Eatonton Jail. Um, there's a little bit more of an in-depth story about that in the Eatonton Messenger. It was, it was a wild night both on the scoreboard, on the field for various reasons. But hopefully Gatewood can stay focused on their game this weekend because uh, while it's against another lesser opponent, it is their first region matchup. They'll be traveling to Flint River, who is and 2-7, coming off a 32-6 win over Westwood. Um, Westwood actually seems to have gotten worse as the season has gone on, so... Um, kind of take that result with a grain of salt, but uh, kickoff for that game has been pushed up to 7 p.m. instead of 7:30. But uh, but yeah, big uh, two big two big region matches for both our Eatonton teams this weekend. So there was one other Lake Country team uh, in play this weekend or last weekend. Unfortunately, didn't get the results they wanted. But Nat Green finished out their season with two games, right? Well, a game and a half, I guess, is okay. probably technically right. I'll explain. 
NGA hosted David Emanuel Academy last Friday and dropped that one 44-6. The only score for the Patriots was a culmination touchdown reception. They struggled against the run, could not stop DEA. Uh, they, they power ran it the entire night, couldn't really get a, a handle on what was going on, where the ball was going at any given time. They struggled with tackling as well. And if, you, if you're if you're going to give up the, the big running lanes, you got to be able to tackle and make up for it. They could not. And then offensively, NJ really struggled to block and open up some running lanes for their old uh, running backs. And that was that's straight from the horse's mouth. That's what head coach Kevin Nichols told me after the game. He's like, yeah, if you can't tackle and you can't block, you're not going to play very well. And that was certainly the case in that game. That victory for DEA locked DEA into the state playoffs, and it forced Nat Green into a three-way tie with Vidalia Heritage and People's Baptist. NGA previously lost to Vidalia Heritage but beat People's Baptist. And which team did they have to play first to settle this tiebreaker? Vidalia Heritage. Here's how it went down. <laughs> Monday afternoon, they went back to Rhodesfield down in Salome and played two mini-games which consisted of two five-minute halves. Okay. And each team had three timeouts to last in the entire ten minutes. So it was kind of crazy, and it resulted in a whopping 6 nothing victory for Vidalia Heritage. The winner of that game had the right to go on and play People's Baptist, and the winner of that game would get the final playoff spot. So Nat Green had to win. Unfortunately, Vidalia got the ball to start, and ran it down their throats just like DEA had done a few nights prior. And I believe they scored with about a minute left on the clock in the first half. And so NGA had a pretty good kick return by Stephen Ricky, had great field position. And I'm standing there thinking to myself, you know, they're, they're running their offense like normal. They're run heavy. They don't throw a whole lot. And the clock's just ticking, 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 ticking. They took one timeout. And I was scratching my head. I was like, you know, what, what's, what's Nichols doing here? You know, they got a chance to tie this thing up here before the half. That was before I realized they only get three timeouts. So it was a mess of a process. Um, nobody was really happy about the way everything was designed to work. But that was how it all went down. And it is said and done now. There's nothing we can do about it. NGA dropped that mini game 6-0. to zero. Only had two possessions the entire two halves. And both of them, one of them ended by way of halftime, the other one on a four and out. So that ends the season for NGA. It's a tough year. We've recounted on here numerous times the amount of injuries they suffered. I actually found out Friday, or Monday actually, that there was another injury I didn't know about. (laughs) So you're looking at, what, eight kids on a 12-man roster that plays eight-man football. It was just not a good year for them logistically. And they only got one victory and just couldn't find a way to, to win here at the end of the season and extend their season. So tough losses here to close it out for NGA, but um, you know I'm sure they're excited about an opportunity to rest and get healthy because it sounds like those guys really do need it. All right, so as we said, Lake Country Sports are kind of at a slow period right now. So that's all for our local segment this week, but we got a lot to talk about related to the NFL and college football. But first, to do that, we have to bring in Will Petty, the editor of the Baldwin Bulletin. What is going on, Will? And uh, you're wearing a colorful shirt today. Do you do you want to explain why you're, you're rocking? Is that a Kevin Durant, Oklahoma City jersey? Well, see, you know, we had the a little downtown trick-or-treat in Millersville today. And so for my outfit, I decided to go with what Oklahoma City could have been. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, because if we would have kept Harden, Durant, and Westbrook, we would have at least three titles. So who is that? Is that Durant? That's Durant. KD. Okay. See, guys, you know, this jersey cost about $155, so I wasn't going to burn it like some other <laughs> people. <laughs> but you were just as frustrated, correct? Oh, yeah. I, I cried. Well, as you said, we're recording this on Halloween, October 31st, but obviously we released on Friday, November 1st. So... We're, that means we're headed into the thick of the NFL and college football season. We're already in the month of November. But no arrests yet. <laughs> <laughs> no coaches getting arrested in the NFL now. That's right. Well, uh, we're going to not really spend too much time on the NFL because we got a lot we want to discuss in the college ranks, so we'll just do some pick them really quick. This week we got the Minnesota Vikings at the Kansas City Chiefs at 1 p.m. Trevor, who do you think is going to win this game? I think the Vikings' defense steps up. Uh, Mahomes is listed as doubtful. I think he's still out. Um, I think that I think that severely hurts. Uh, it is a home game for the Chiefs, so maybe that helps a little bit. But um, two two pretty stout offenses. But I think the Vikings have a better defense right now. I'm going 28-17 Vikings. I'm going with the Vikings. Mahomes hands it back. If Mahomes was healthy and he was playing. Completely different outcome, same with yeah. last week with Packers. But with him not going, the Chiefs are about to lose an unprecedented four in a row at Arrowhead. So that that's just absolute insanity to me. But uh, I'm going Vikings a little bit closer. I'm going to say 25-21. Yeah, three weeks ago, I don't think we all would be sitting here picking Minnesota to go on the road and upset the Chiefs. I got them too. Uh, like you said, Trevor, their defense is much better. They give up an average of 336.1 yards compared to Kansas City with 401. That's a pretty significant gap. Minnesota is surging. They've won four in a row. Kansas City lost last week to Green Bay 31-24. I agree with you, Will. You add Patrick Mahomes to that, they probably win the game. Uh, But I think Minnesota is, is rolling right now. I think they're feeling really good. Kansas City is looking for some answers offensively to make up for the loss of Mahomes. And I think it's a recipe for a road upset, Minnesota 31-27. We got the New England Patriots at the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night football. Will, I'll let you pick first. You like the Pats or the Ravens? I like the Pats uh, only because their defense has just been an unstoppable force. You know, Baltimore has a good defense. I think they're going to be doing a pretty good job containing Brady and company. But... No, no one has been able to stop this Patriots defense from scoring, which is really bizarre to say. <laughs> um, no, I mean no one's getting any traction against them. Defense wins championships, and the you know Patriots are going to prove that once again. I'm saying Patriots by 14. I disagree. I'm going to pick Baltimore, and here's why: Tom Brady has been limited this week with a shoulder injury. He's going to play. Matter of fact, I'm in a Yahoo league where I have Brady and. The advice listed next to his injury was like, well, doesn't matter. <laughs> and earlier this year, he missed a couple of practices. Like, he's going to play. That was literally what the advice said. So, Tom Brady is going to play. There's no doubt about that. And I think he'll play well. I think he'll be all right. I think this will be a fairly close game. But i got to give the edge to Baltimore. It's going to be a, a night game, prime time. They're going to be rocking up there. They've won three in a row, and they just went and beat a good Seattle team on the road 30-16. to I think I think Lamar has a big game against that defense. I think he's probably a, a dynamic player that they have not seen the likes of this season. 
and I think they pull off the win 21-7. This is the same Ravens team that lost to or that beat the Steelers in overtime. I understand, I understand, but they they've won three in a row since then, so they're they're picking it up. I agree with both of uh, every statement. You got <laughs> every statement that was just made. Uh, the Patriots defense is unprecedented right now. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, they've scored more touchdowns and they've given up on the ground or something crazy yeah. like that. Um, that I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, but I do think that the Lamar, the Lamar Jackson element is something they haven't seen to his extent. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued by that matchup, but I still, until they, until they show me something to show a flaw, I'm going 24-14 Patriots because of their defense. Full disclosure, the only reason we're going to talk about this next game is because I'm a Cowboys fan and I finally have a reason to care about Monday Night Football in the <laughs> NFL this year. The Dallas Cowboys are 4-3 and three, traveling to the 2-6 and six New York Giants. I'll start us off. It's got to be Dallas, right? I mean, their offense, I didn't realize this until I was prepping, is the number one offense in the NFL. Uh, number four rushing offense as well. And you look at the Giants, they've got the number 22 def- rush defense in the NFL, allowing almost 123 yards per game. There's one recipe to this. It's on the road. It's in prime time. Hashtag feed Zeke. This needs to be a breakout game for him. Dallas is going to roll 31-14. I, you know, I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. I am going with the Cowboys. But have y'all seen Daniel Jones lately? I mean, I've, I've seen that he's leading in turnovers or something like that. Yeah, but he's he, continuing that he's he's giant quarterback <laughs> tradition, baby. Yeah, but he had some, like, what, four touchdowns last week? I mean, he's kind of getting his groove on. I mean, yeah, he needs to maybe clean up some aspects of it, but he's doing all right. I, I think the Cowboys are still going to win just because he has a lack of weapons. Shepard is still questionable to start with the Giants. Uh, Cowboys are coming off a of bye week, so Amari's going to be at full strength. Steve's going to be back full strength. I just... But I think it's going to be more or less something like 35-28. I'm going to piggyback one off off what you said a couple weeks ago, Justin. Uh, this is going to be where the Cowboys get the ball rolling again and save Jason Garrett's job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I know you love that and love the thought of that. Oh, yeah. Just extend him for a while. <laughs> I think this is the game where that ball starts rolling again. Um, I agree the there's just too much weapons on the on the Cowboys offense right now. Kellen Moore still looks really good calling plays. Um, like you said, first first uh offense in the in the league, so I'm going twenty eight seventeen Cowboys. Now one more thing we gotta talk about. Atlanta Falcons versus the bye week. <laughs> uh I, I like the bye week. So so you you think uh Quinn's gone? No. You don't think Quinn's gone at all? He's he's gone. I don't know if it's going to be this week. I think if it was going to be this week, it would have happened already. I think at this point, they're going to see it out unless they just cannot win another game. They're going to probably see it out to the end of the season and then wipe the slate clean. What what really – and, and I, I'll admit my opinion on this has completely flipped from a couple weeks ago. What do they have to gain at this point? I mean, they're not going to turn around this season. They're one in seven, one in eight, something like that. And did they trade their first round pick? Something like that. I don't remember to be honest with you. All and they cut Matt Bryant, the only, which is hilarious. To uh, Let me see the don't even name. get me started. The only thing that I saw, Young Wei Koo. Young Hoku. Young Wei Koo. That's how you pronounce it. That's an Atlanta Legends legend. Thank right, you very yeah. much. From Southern. He is the greatest kicker in Atlanta Legends <laughs> history. <laughs> Young Wei Koo. I'm uh, serious. He was one of them. Uh, 
the only thing that I saw recently about the Falcons that I even paid attention to, apparently there was a team willing to pick up Devontae Freeman's contract. Why didn't we get rid of him? Yep. Just cut everybody. Just clean up shop. I don't understand that. The odds of anybody, apparently it was just one, but still, I don't care who it was. Ship him off. Which brings me to another point. The GM is most definitely gone. Oh, too. yeah. I can't pronounce Dimitriov, Dimitriov, whatever it is. TD, is what yeah, they call it. Whatever, he's gone. <laughs> he will, he will be J O B L E S S by the end of well, the year. If the Falcons wanted TD, they should have cut Freeman and kept Coleman. <laughs> That's true. Well, as you said, we're going to move on quickly from the NFL this week and jump right into college football, and that's because we have some pretty big stuff to talk about. Probably the biggest, if you haven't heard by now, on I think it was Tuesday, the NCAA, they had a board of folks get together, and they unanimously decided that they were going to seriously consider finding a way to find uh, an avenue to allow student-athletes to receive compensation for their names, images, and likenesses. We've discussed this on this season of Being a Given Friday. Will and I on past seasons have discussed this at least a few times, I know. Probably a lot more than that. So how did you guys react when you heard this news? Well, I think the second I saw it was being held at Emory University, which makes no sense because I didn't know the NCAA was even affiliated with Emory. Um, You know, I kind of had a hunch that they were going to start – going that direction. I mean, you got various states going in and passing different laws about it. Georgia just threw their name in the hat. Yeah, and I mean, of course something like this was going to happen. Um, I don't know what the end result's going to be. I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I, I don't think players are going to get paid to actually play the game. I think they're going to get paid for, like, you might see Jake Fromm built for tough well, yeah, yeah, names, images, likenesses. It's all about advertising, basically. Yeah, so I think that's basically what you're going to see. I don't think you're going to see millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, nothing like that. It's still an amateur sport. But you know, I, I think you might see a lot of folksy hometown hero type things where, you know, guy that's going to own a used car shop in uh, Athens years to come will probably go ahead and start doing some stuff for car dealers. Um, we talked about earlier in the year how we felt about this. I like you said it was kind of inevitable it's going to happen because like you said they either needed to jump on it now or just be passed by. Uh, so I think it was the right decision, especially with all the different states passing laws and whatnot. It was the right decision for the NCAA to just go ahead and go through with it and actually try and take reins of the situation. But um, I'm very interested to see how they handle this. Um, I think the there was I just saw a quick glimpse on Twitter or whatever there was some congressman or whatever already talked about different ways they're going to tax yeah. the people. Yeah, yeah, that's Richard Burr from North Carolina. Yeah, that ain't happening. Yeah, I don't, that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, okay, how how is all this going to start uh, the domino effect of whatever? Um, but, the real story here is NCAA football. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. If we get NCAA football back, I'm a happy man. Right, so. like, here's what's going to happen, right? So it's going to be a typical EA sports game where you got to, you know, you're going to have extra benefits if you pay more on top of the 60 or 70 bucks you pay for the game. Oh, okay. For $5 extra, you too can start the transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> Want to see Jake Fromm play at LSU? Want Joe Burrow to go to uh, Utah? Want Justin Fields to come back to Georgia? At 
$5, you can make it happen. Brother, let me tell you something about EA Sports. It ain't going to be just $5 for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw somebody make the joke that if they want it to be extra realistic, they need to have decommitments when you lose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the prospects of getting a college football game again just... Thrills me to know that. <laughs> it's been a long time since NCAA 14 came out way back in 2013. Um, I'm ready for that, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I am cautiously optimistic about this. And I say cautiously because I can't remember the exact quote, and I should have uh, taken a screenshot or written it down. But one of the people involved in this said they're going to try to find ways to open up all this stuff while also maintaining like basically the integrity of the NCAA and amateurism. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly what everybody wants, at least not yet, because we don't know any details about this. We just know they're going to actually do something. Uh, but as for now, yeah, I'm loving it. But i got to think with all of these states, as we've said, coming out and saying we are going to pay our players, the NCAA is going to have to give in mm-hmm. and, and, and break and, instead of just bend and do a couple things. They are going to have to say – as you said, relating back to what I said a few weeks ago, they're going to have to meet it head on right. and, and figure out a way to install all of this right now and, and you know appease as many people as possible. That's your projected start is 2021. Right? I think I saw that. Okay. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think that's enough time to at least try and get a, a decent game plan. I really don't want them to just come and be like, well, we're going to pay you for this, this, and that, and we'll just go from there. I hope they actually can sit down, think through, and provide a, a detailed plan of how you're going to get paid, where you're going to... Which I think they will, but that's that's the one thing, like you said, cautiously optimistic about yeah. how they're going to handle all this. The devil will be in the details. Right. But there will be no more spaghetti gate. <laughs> I know. No more tattoo gate. Ty Gurley just signed those autographs and was suspended for nothing. Just, <laughs> it still upsets me. <laughs> all right. Well, let's turn our attention to current NCAA football action and talk about something that Will Petty probably does not want to discuss. I don't know what you're talking about. We're going to make him discuss it anyway. If we talk Georgia, South Carolina, (laughs) we are most definitely going to talk Oklahoma, Kansas State. The Sooners took a loss. Will, what, what were you thinking when you saw your previous number one team uh, take that, that L on the road? Uh, I'm calling it the curse. Because the last time that the Sooner Schooner flipped over on its side, Oklahoma then lost to Kansas State. So, uh, I'm just blaming it on that, and I'm just going to go on life. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I, I think now Oklahoma's kind of in the same boat as Georgia, where you basically have to win out. I, think, I don't think they're fully out of the playoffs yet. I mean, you've still got Baylor, who's, you know, kind of hold, holding the Big 12 together. Oklahoma State's been making it exciting. Iowa State's been making it exciting. So it's not like you have a lot of terrible teams going up against each other. So I think if Oklahoma can win out and then rematch Texas or um, Baylor again, I, I, I think they could still be an, on the outside looking in. They, they still got a shot depending on how everything else goes in the conferences. Totally agree. And I think this just makes Georgia's outlook even brighter. Because that's one team down that has another loss. That'll make it a little bit easier for Georgia to get in. And we'll talk about Georgia more in a minute. But, yeah, uh, kind of a shocking loss. I didn't know that about the previous history with the, <laughs> with the mascot uh, wagon tipping over. But 
Uh, yeah, pretty wild loss there. And, and then, of course, Saturday night, Notre Dame traveled to Michigan and took a beatdown on, what, 45-14, something close to that. Yeah. Um, I called the win last week. I did not call it quite that big of a, <laughs> a deficit. But, uh, yeah, Notre Dame, thanks for coming. You were already out. Now it's official. Yeah, just, just to be safe, you know. I was kind of surprised. With Michigan looked pretty good. Uh, it was a torrential downpour. Uh, Maria Taylor was at one point in the game talking about how she could feel the rain coming at her from both sides. It was just swirling. It wasn't coming from one direction. Um, so it was, it was a wild game uh, in terms of the environment. But uh, I don't think – I personally don't think the weather played into the outcome of this game. Michigan just looked like they had figured something out miraculously from – Earlier in the season, they didn't. They or Notre Dame just forgot how to play football. One of the two, um, but it 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 was a very surprising outcome for me personally. Michigan looked like they were being coached by a guy who was <laughs> trying to cling to his job. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, real quick, and then we'll move on to a couple of predictions. Come Tuesday night, November fifth. A.K.A. one day before my birthday, by the way. <laughs> the first college football playoff rankings will be unveiled for the 2019 season. And I, I want to ask you guys, if, if you had to pick a top four currently, not projected at the end of the season, but as it stands right now, who would be in your top four? All right. Number one is LSU. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Alabama. Number four is Clemson. I only have one shakeup on that. I've still got OSU at three and Bama at two. Um, strictly just on Ohio State's strength of schedule is coming from Michigan State and Wisconsin that had just lost. So that being said, I think Ohio State still looks like the most complete team, but I also think they have, other than Clemson, have a much weaker strength of schedule than Bama and LSU. Um also, if I could throw in a 4B, I would say Penn State's looking really good right now. Completely agree with you, Trevor. <laughs> and that will be probably the quickest college football playoff segment we have this entire season. Clean sweep there. Yeah, LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson. Um, I give Bama the slight edge because they played in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And they've beaten a pretty decent Texas A&M, a pretty decent South Carolina. South Carolina, of course, has... One of the biggest wins in the entire country this year. I don't care that they just got spanked by Tennessee. Well, I, we won't discuss that. But, yeah, that was, to me, the determining factor. But I would have no problem bumping Ohio State to two like Will did. Right. All right, we're only going to talk about two games this week because I think the second one's going to take up a good bit of time. The first one is SMU, which is undefeated, traveling to one of my favorite cities in the world, Memphis, to take on the Tigers, who are 7-1. and one. And, uh, Trevor, I'll let you kick us off with this prediction. I think this is going to be a really high-scoring game, uh, really exciting. Uh, Memphis's only loss is to that the super power team out of Temple that held Tech to two points. You know, they're really good <laughs> this year. So uh, I, I'm, ex- I'm expecting a, a really exciting game out of this one. Um, interesting, you talk about Memphis. My mom's from Memphis. Nice. So I'm picking against my mom. So is my favorite singer of all time. Oh, yeah. Well, he's from Tupelo. He's from Tupelo, but Memphis is really the hometown. <laughs> he right. was born in Tupelo. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I am picking against my mom. I think SMU stays undefeated. Um, Braves the, the Memphis crowd that I'm sure will be rough and rowdy, but uh, 
I'm going 45-35 SMU. Hey, don't hate on that Liberty Bowl <laughs> stadium atmosphere, okay? Um, I agree. I, I think most people are probably picking Memphis in this one, but you just look at that offense for SMU, it's a little bit better than the Memphis team, and I, I feel like it's going to come down to the play of their quarterback, Shane Bouchelle. And it is not spelled the way it's pronounced. I had to do some research on that one. Uh, he, he's having a great season. 20 TDs, 7 interceptions. Four of those picks were on the road, though. So it really is going to hinge on whether he can be a little more accurate and be a little bit cleaner. But, yeah, I like SMU in a high score game, 44-38, almost identical score. So can we just talk about now that the NCAA's paying player or talking about paying players <laughs> that uh, SMU suddenly back? That's right. <laughs> Come full circle, y'all. Uh, you know, I think the Mustangs out of Dallas are going to be ready to go. Um, this is probably the most excitement that's been in DFW for a while. So, the fact they're playing in Memphis, I don't. I think that that's not really going to affect them as much because they want to be able to end the season at least in the top ten. Here's an opportunity for them to do it. I'm going SMU by 17. Speaking of top ten, we have a top ten matchup. In the de facto SEC East Championship game. Hey, Tennessee can still win the East. Down in Jacksonville. Actually, actually, they really can. God help us if that happens. (laughs) Number eight, Georgia takes on number six, Florida. A lot of people are down on the dogs after their last couple of games. A lot of people are high on Florida after a fairly strong showing against LSU and another victory at South Carolina. Trevor, you're, you're the Georgia hater. Oh, but, but I gotta easy. ask: <laughs> Is the Georgia hater gonna be brave enough to pick the Gators? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't like Georgia, but I'm not an idiot. So <laughs> I'm going the last two one, the last two matchups between these teams. Georgia's won easily. Um, I don't think it's gonna be quite as easy as the past two, but I'm still picking Georgia. Um, I think the the Gators' defense is kind of surprising to me this year. They're pretty stout. But I think they have their defenses more DB heavy than um, defensive line and linebackers, which plays into Georgia's offense. Uh, they've got some phenomenal receivers, but it's all about the running backs. Uh, if Georgia comes out and runs the ball well, I don't, I don't think Florida can, can handle that running back. It's not even a trio. It's... You know, however many y'all have got. It's at least a quartet. Yeah, it's a sample. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a bunch of workhorses. So, um, the only thing that Georgia could probably hope for in this game is that they were playing Felipe Franks instead of Kyle Trask just because he (laughs) seems to have kind of turned Florida around a little bit. But I got Georgia 28-10. I'm rolling with Georgia. I have thought about this. I've been trying to, you know, find a way to convince myself that I'm wrong, that I need to be a little more critical of this. But just looking at it on paper, Georgia has to win this game. And I think Georgia's going to win by three touchdowns. Here's why. They've got an elite defense. So I think they can handle Trask and what he's doing. I totally agree. As bad as this is going to sound, I think one of the best things to happen to Florida this year is losing Felipe Franks. Agreed. Because I think think Trask is – he makes smarter decisions. I'll just put it that way. He's and a game manager. In, in, in the best possible way, yeah, just like Jake Fromm. 
I think Georgia's defense is good enough to stop him. What gets lost in that whole Kentucky thing that everybody's still fussing about two weeks later is the fact that Georgia shut them out and really dominated that game defensively. And I don't think Florida can really hang with that for an entire game. I think they're eventually going to get worn down. And personally, what I want to see Georgia do is approach this game the way they did back in 2017. Fromm only threw the ball seven times that game. They ran it 35 times for 292 yards and four touchdowns. You don't think I'm right about that? Well, here, let me lay it out for you. (laughs) Florida's run defense against LSU gave up 218 yards, three TDs. And that's the LSU team with who, in my opinion, is the Heisman favorite, Joe Burrow, who also had a really great game. So not only did they give up a bunch of passing yards, they got lit up on the run. They gave up a buck forty to Kentucky, one twenty-four to Auburn, not bad. Then two hundred seventeen against South Carolina, including twenty-four yards by Helensky, who is not a dual threat quarterback in the least since. Georgia needs to give me every bit they can out of DeAndre Swift out of Brian Harrigan, out of Zeus, and out of James Cook. There's your quartet. Thank you. (laughs) And I think if they can go run heavy and the passing offense can make the plays when it needs to, Georgia's going to win this game. A big help is Lawrence Cager is back healthy, uh, so that'll be crucial for Georgia. I know Florida's healthy too, but just talent-wise, you have to pick Georgia to win this game. And, And I've been saying ever since South Carolina that when Georgia comes back and beats Florida by three touchdowns, all of the last three weeks is going to be forgotten largely by Georgia fans. I'm sticking with my guns. Dogs 35-14. I like the dogs, but I ain't saying 35-14. <laughs> uh, you know, I think a lot of what y'all said is correct. Georgia needs to be very run heavy. I think that uh, Florida, they, they sometimes do good, but then there's a lot of times they just, you know, fall short. Um I'm not going to take that South Carolina loss from Georgia too seriously because, I mean, Florida almost did the same thing. So, I'm, but the other thing is I just need to make sure that Georgia's defense can really get to Trask. Do not give him time to throw. All right. Now, if he does throw, I think that our DBs can handle it. I don't think that they're going to be giving up nearly the yards that, uh, for instance, LSU has. Quite frankly, because LSU, I mean, they gave up 30-some points at Vanderbilt. Like, but yep. let's not forget that. So, Georgia gave up three. Yeah. So, I'm not that worried about Georgia's defense. Uh, for me, it's just more of, can we get our run game going? You know, we we do need to open up our passing game a little bit more. But, you know, for this game specifically, if the pass game ain't working, just go back to Old Faithful and just let it work itself out. Run the ball. So, I'm going to say Georgia 24, Florida 21. Wow. I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing that we kind of touched on but didn't really bring up is that the, the coaching aspect is much better. <laughs> Kirby's smarter than Mullen. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that'll factor in, that Kirby understands everything we're talking about. He probably already knows all that. Now he just has to actually execute and have his team execute. But, yeah. but what if he gets arrested? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every... We always talk about Nick Saban's record versus former assistants, and it's perfect. There's no doubt about that, including against Georgia. Um, but Kirby Smart's record head-to-head with Dan Mullen, pretty dang good. <laughs> and one of the, I think maybe the only time, if not one of two or three times, that he beat 
Kirby Smart. He had a quarterback on his team by the name of Tim Tebow. Arguably the best college football quarterback of all time. So, you know, you, you kind of expect to lose that one. That was Kirby's first year at Alabama. And Kirby had no problems with a quarterback named Dak Prescott. Yep. So, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, head-to-head, Kirby Smart owns Dan Mullen. And the other factor here is Todd Grantham. Everybody's just fawning over the work he's done this year. He ain't never done any good things against Georgia. Any place he's been, so he never did any good things for Georgia. Well, <laughs> that is true. Good Lord, have mercy. Third and Grantham will haunt my dreams forever. Well, it's going to be an exciting week of football. Uh, Trevor and I are going to be on sidelines again tonight with our Lake Country teams. We'll have you covered. I'll be at home on the couch. Updates for that. Will will be at home relaxing and getting ready for Saturday's game against. Florida, we're excited about that one. World's largest outdoor cocktail party is always a fun game. And I think that's going to do it for this week. We'll get out of here. We appreciate you listening, and good all. Good Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.